This is my first time preaching in the house church. So like Dad said a little bit, um, he asked me a few weeks ago to kind of be praying about a sermon. And um, right after I started praying, the Lord put something on my heart just about the church. And um, then Dad started a series on the church, so I knew it was the Lord. But it's funny because I was telling Mom a little while ago, like, I've preached before. Um, today, man, it's like I just want to go crawl in a hole. Like, I didn't want to be at church. Like, there's sometimes, I guess, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the devil. It's just attacking. This is something that God wants us to hear. Um, but I was really wrestling with this because, like I said, the Lord's given me this for a few weeks. Um, and I was praying about it, and I was praying through it yesterday. And I knew that this was what the Lord wanted, but then the devil just comes and he starts attacking, saying that's not for this church. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit about the body of Christ, but I'm going to pray before we get started. I know we already did, but I need to pray, um, and then we'll get rolling. But Lord, we just love you. Thank you so much, God, for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. I thank you, God, just for bringing this, this church together, God. I thank you, God, for who you are, that you're the body, you are the head of the body, Lord. And we're here, God, not for ourselves, but for your glory. And I pray that you would take me out of the way. I pray that you would just pour forth, God, because I need a touch from you. I know that everybody in here does. God, we don't just want to come do church and just leave. God, we want you to touch, touch us and meet with us, God. And we want you to have your way. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So the church, um, we're just going to talk about a few things. Um, the church, what it is. And what kind of God's called us to be. So y'all can go ahead and turn to Matthew 16. We know when we start talking about the church that is not a building. Like we, we understand that, especially now that we're in a house. It's not a big, beautiful, decorated building. The church is not a building, it's a body. And we know that. It's the body of Christ. He's the head and we are the members. It's made up of a bunch of members. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians and he's telling them, look, it's a bunch of different members. you got brothers and sisters in the body. We're all together, but there's one head. There's one Lord. Okay? There's one God that gives you a certain gift and gives somebody else a certain gift. But it's one Lord. It's one Father that's directing all that. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 through 18, it's a passage that we know very well. Jesus is asking the disciples, who do men say that I am? Verse 15, he says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. The Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um, and one thing we see through this passage is kind of what the foundation of the church is. It was, the church was not built upon Peter. We know that. The church wasn't built upon Peter because Peter's a man. Peter's failed. Peter's messed up. Paul had to correct Peter. Okay? And if the church would have been built on him whenever he died, the church is over. Okay? The church is built on the profession that Peter made to look. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says, look, you're right. That's it. And I'm building my church on that. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has called us to be a church that follows him. First and foremost, where he is the head. It's not, it's just something that as I was praying, the Lord was like, look, y'all have absolutely no right, and I'm not saying we are, but we have no right to do church the way that we want to do church. We have no right to say, okay, well, I just want to do this, so we're going to do that. 
or I want it to be look church to look this way, so I'm going to do it like that. We as Christians, whether it's in this body or in a body wherever, we have no right to do church the way we want. We have to do what He has called us to do. And as I'm preaching some of this, some I don't know, maybe maybe part of it you'll be like, wow, well, like I don't feel like we're struggling with that. This is as the Lord was kind of putting this on my heart. I was going back and forth because I was like, look, God, I feel like for the most part, like our church is doing a really good job of these things. And I feel like the Lord kind of wants to say this kind of as we start. If if the if the Lord's the Lord kind of even wants to encourage you to say, look, you're doing this, I want you to continue in it, or he wants to kind of point out some things in our life. Um, and I'm gonna just let him kind of do what he wants to do in, in terms of that. But two things kind of right off the bat is Christ must lead and we must follow. Okay, so he's going to lead, and we know like you're walking hand-in-hand hand with Jesus, and he's walking, and we're to follow him. But we, in order to follow him, we have to know what his will is. And I remember Dad said something like that a, a few weeks ago. But we have to know God's will, and the only way we know his will is we spend time with him. We have to be a church that prays like he's been talking about. But what I, I kind of pray that we see today is that your personal prayer life and your life outside of this building, outside of this house, this church, your life, what you do outside of there is going to affect this body. Okay, it's not just me, what I do, all that's my time with God. It just affects me. It affects the whole body. And we're going to see that a little bit. Um, but if you all would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is one of my favorite passages. And Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing from a Roman prison. Um... He's strapped up in a prison. We know how, like, Paul, at the beginning of his letter, so write, like, Paul, an apostle, unto the church of Ephesus, or Paul, a servant of the Lord, unto the church of Galatia, or something like that. And he gives a greeting at the beginning, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the church at Ephesus. But then in chapter 4, it's like he starts over again. Like, the first three chapters, he's been telling them, guess what, look, y'all are Gentiles, but you've been saved the same way that I'm saved. We're all saved through Christ. We're made into one body. And he like he's trying to convince them, I guess, in a little sense, that it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile. Once you come to Christ, you're His. You're in His body. And in verse 4, it's like he starts over again. He says, I therefore, as a result of all of that that I've been telling you, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling that God has put on your life. I beg you. He's strapped up in a prison. Look, I'm in here. You're out there. You're actually getting to be with the other people in the church. Please do this thing the right way. Please walk worthy of the calling God's put on your life. And he, then he tells him how. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And as Paul's going through this, he says, look, please walk worthy. Please do this thing the right way. If you're going to claim Christ, then live as he's called you to live. Okay? And he tells us within the body to, to walk in lowliness and meekness. That's not lifting myself up. That's bringing myself down. That's putting myself low for Christ's sake, and with long-suffering. There's going to be times in the body that you're going to have to suffer, and there's going to be times that God allows us to go through things. I know um, it's, some of the, some, it's, it's kind of backwards, but I know we all know this. Some of the hardest times to live for God and to love people is to love the people that you're around the most. 
You know, uh, me and Pete and Connor went camping, and I love Connor, okay? But I got to see Connor in some ways that I hadn't seen him. I, saw, I, I didn't want to see him for a few days after that. I'm just being real. Like, he took my blanket when I was cold, and... That, you know, it's funny, though, because you, you love somebody, and you meet them in college, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be roommates with them. And after the semester, you're like, I never want to see them again because you're around them, okay? And it's tough because in the body, a lot of times, like, we're out living for God, like, at your workplace and all this, and then you come back home to your family, and it's tough to live for God there. And it's like we can kind of put it on pause there because we've been living for God outside the walls. And now we come back into our family, or we come into the church, and we can kind of put it on pause. It's not really that important here. And the Bible says that they'll know that we're his disciples if we love one another. And I believe something that the Lord wants to tell us today is he wants to give us a genuine love for one another and see what it, what it really looks like to be a part of his body. And that we're not here to just come and sit. We had a youth pastor that was preaching at um, chapel a few weeks ago. Really cool guy. And he was talking about the body of Christ. And he was talking about what it, what it looks like and he was kind of just hammering on our students. Guys, whenever you do go to church, it's not enough for you to go and sit. God hasn't just put us there to come and sit and receive. He's like, look, the modern view of church is I got saved to become part of the body of Christ so that I can come and just receive so it can benefit me. He says, but that's not it. He said, God has saved you so you can become a part of the body of Christ so that you can serve as you receive and it can benefit the whole body. God has not put us here to come and just, okay, I heard a few songs, I hear some preaching, I can take that part, that kind of applies to me, and then we go. God has called us to come and to we receive, but then we give back. Okay, And a lot of times as believers, there's times where your faith's high, and Chris is just, man, the Lord's doing stuff in his life, so he's cool with going to pray for somebody, he's got a lot of strength. There's times where you don't feel it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When you just genuinely, in your heart, you don't want to do it, you don't feel it, and God says, look, I still want you to go serve. I still want you to do this. I remember being Sunday night prayer meeting, and a lot of times on Sunday nights, you know, I'm just kind of pray by myself. Sometimes I'd go pray for people. And I remember this night in particular, I was like, look, God, I'm sitting right here. Like, I need somebody to pray for me. So I'm not going anywhere. I'm sitting here until... You send somebody. I'm not even going to pray. Like, just send somebody to pray for me. So I sat there with my arms crossed for 30 minutes. Okay? And then the Lord's like, look, I want you to go pray for that guy over across the way. So I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Like, I need, I'm, look, I pray for people all the time. Get somebody to come pray for me tonight. He's like, I want you to go. So I was like, all right. So I went and I prayed for them. It was all the way across on the other side of the sanctuary. Pray for them. I'm like, all right, I got that done. I start walking back, and there's somebody else. And the Lord says, why don't you pray for them? I'm like, this is killing me. So I go and I pray for them. And I'm walking back, and the Lord tells me again, like, I want you to pray for this person. I'm like, this is three. I haven't even made it back to my chair yet. Like, I don't want to do this. And I prayed for them. And I was like, all right, Lord. Like, I don't have, like, I just need somebody to pray for me. Can I go ask somebody to pray for me now? At least ask them. He's like, yeah. So I go kneel down next to my friend, and I was like, look, I need you to pray for me. And he just looks up, and he's just crying. He's like, I can't. I need you to pray for me. <laughs> it, was, it was so cool because I just, I right there, I just prayed for him. And the Lord just touched both of our heart. But the Lord was just, I think the Lord was showing me too. Look, it's not about how you feel. It's really not. If we just did it when we felt like it, I would not go to school, but maybe once a week to teach. 
Like, we just don't, I don't want to do it. I just want to wake up and just watch TV and eat chips. You know what I mean? Like, we, if we live by how we feel, our walk with Christ stops very quickly. But it's so cool because when we, when we obey God, even when we don't feel it, God, I don't have anything to give. Well, guess what? You still have me to give. That's all that you ever had anyway. Okay? Just because you felt, feel it or don't feel it does not matter. So you go in obedience to what God has said and you obey Him. And guess what? He's going to take care of you too. God's not going to say, okay, Alberto, go. And you go pour out. Now God's like, all right, that was the last little bit you had left. I took your last strength away and now it's all you. He says, no, you obeyed me. Now I can fill you back up. And I want to fill you back up, not just for you to use it on yourself, but for you to use on my body to build them up. Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, and he's like, look, God's given you all so many gifts. Use them, not for yourself. Don't just get off in the corner and say, cool, God's touched me. He's strengthened me. Look, whatever God teaches you, he wants to use you to teach that to somebody else, to build up somebody else. Okay, so if y'all if y'all wouldn't mind turning real quick to John chapter thirteen. And so what I kind of want us to see is as a body, we're gonna be as much like Christ, and as individuals, we're gonna be as much like Christ as we allow him to do in our life. As much room as we give him, that's how much room he's gonna take. And the church is gonna look most like Christ when we follow him the most. Whenever he is leading and we just step back and we say, okay, God, I'm not writing my plans. Because a lot of times, if we're honest, at least when I am, whenever we pray, I'm going to have my time with God. It's God, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. I need you to do that. It's praying my will with his power. God, I need your power because I know I can't make it happen to perform all my will. And that's not how he wants. It's to step back and say, okay, God, whatever your will is, you do it. Use me. It's not that we're trying to use God, but to let Him use us for His glory. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I feel like the Lord, two things, to, to love His body and to serve His body. You know, and the, the guy, when he was teaching chapel, he was saying, I just don't understand how somebody can say that I love Christ, but I don't love his body. That's something that God's really just been hammering with me about is, look, do I come just to get? Do I come just to get in my eyes on myself or my eyes here to what I can receive and not really worried about everybody else? And the Lord's really been convicting my life a lot. But he's called us to come and to love his body and to serve his body and to pour into his body. But again, I will have nothing to pour into y'all. Y'all will have nothing to pour into me if Monday through Saturday you're not seeking God with all your heart. So whenever, whenever God calls you to pray and you go home and it's a Tuesday morning and you don't really feel like it. And God calls you to pray and you say, no, I'm too busy. I don't feel like it. That does not just impact you. That impacts everybody that lives in your house and that impacts us. Because here's the deal, whenever we're walking close to Christ, we're walking in the light of Christ, we're following Him. Remember, He's going to be leading us in the same way. If Pete's following Christ with all of his heart, Michael's following Christ with all of his heart, and Reynolds following Christ with all their heart, they might not see each other for a year, but they come back together and their hearts are the same because it's the same God leading them. Okay, if Mike and Reynolds are following Christ and Pete's not and he's off on the side and he's not spending time with God, when he comes back, there's not going to be that connection there. 
So whenever we, we're not spending time with Christ the way we need, we're stealing from the body. Okay? And in 1 Peter chapter 4, if y'all would turn there, I'm kind of, I'm all over the place right now. But 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 7, it says this, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And it's kind of cool that Peter's telling them to watch unto prayer because the Lord had told Peter and the other disciples in the garden, hey, watch unto prayer, and they had fallen asleep. So Peter had kind of learned his lesson. It says, And above all things, have fervent charity or love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one toward another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Um, again, so God, the gifts that He's given you and what He's called you to do, first He's called us to pray. And once we pray, He will start directing us. It's wonderful because we never have to think up something for God. We know that. Like, I never have to say, okay, God, I want to serve you. Here's what I'm going to do. Like, I have to come up with a good plan. He says, look, stay on your face before me. Let me work in your heart. I'll start directing you. And then guess what? As you spend time with me, I'm going to strengthen you to do all that I've called you to do. God wants to use us. And I think one thing that the devil wants us to do is say, okay, you're saved. You're coming to church two or three times a week. You're doing good. Stay there. Just keep it to yourself. He can't take Christ from us, so he wants to keep us quiet about him. And the Lord says, no, I want to use you. But we have so many things. We, God, I failed you too many times. I'm too scared. I'm not adequate. All of these things. Okay? God's not calling you maybe to be a Billy Graham. Maybe he is. But he's calling you to use what he's given you. Okay? We, y'all, if, if you've ever driven a car in Baton Rouge, you've seen Gordon McKernan signs. Okay? He has more, I see him more than I see mom. Like, he's on every billboard from here to, like, Arkansas. Okay? I was driving past his place, um, his little law firm, big law firm, the other day on the interstate. And it has, like, all this stuff. Like, we, it was like, we're thankful for Christ. I was like, that's really cool. Like, he has a big platform, you know? Like, he can speak to so many people just passing by. Like, God, I don't have that platform. God's like, okay, then I'm not asking you to minister in that platform. I'm asking you to do what I've called you to do. Whatever God's called you to do, some of us are like, well, look, God hasn't called me like, to preach. Like, I don't have that gift to where I can get up there and preach. God says, okay, well, use what I've called you to do, but do it to the full. For some of us, we need to find out what God's will is because we haven't really been seeking Him. We need to find that out. Others of us, which I think is probably most, we know what God's calling us to do. We just sit, that, we sit there and we haven't done it as much, whether it's fear, whether whatever it is. I want y'all to turn real quick to John chapter 21. I've been reading through 1 Peter a lot. Um, kind of really just goes really slow through it. And we're going to hit a passage at the end of 1 Peter after we hit this. But John chapter 21, Jesus had told the disciples, Look guys, I'm going to the cross. Um, in the garden, we all we know they, said they all fled. Peter had said that, look God, I'll, I'll never turn on you even if they all do. Um, I won't. And in John chapter 21, I think it's really unique how out of all the miracles and out of all the things that the Lord had done, this is how he ends the Gospels. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. 
It says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples. It says, after he had died and resurrected at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. They were together Simon, Peter, and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him. For he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the nets with fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples, after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith unto Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Um, this passage right here, I remember he, sitting in church and we've heard um, the two different words that Peter and the Lord use. The Lord says, Peter, do you love me? And when he asks him that, it's agape. And I know you've heard this. But that, that word agape is a fervent, adamant love. It means with your whole heart. Peter, do you love me with all of your heart? And Peter responds with phileo, Lord, I, I really like you. I like you as a brother. I like you as a friend. The Lord asked him again, Peter, do you love me with all your heart? And he says, Lord, I like you as a friend. And I remember the first time I was like studying this, I was like, oh, the last time that the Lord asked him, I know Peter's going to use agape. He's figuring out what the Lord's saying, right? The last time, the third time, the Lord says, Peter, do you love me with all your heart? And Peter says, Lord, I really like you. You know all things. I really like you. I like you as a friend. And I was like, man, the story would have been so much better, like, if Peter would have like understood and said, no, God, like I love you with all my heart. But as I was praying about it, I really feel like, okay, just a few weeks earlier, Peter, he had boasted of his love for the Lord. He had said, look, God, like everybody else is going to leave you. I'm not. Like we have, we have to understand who Peter is. Peter wasn't just like a follower of Christ or even a disciple. He wasn't even one of the big three, with Peter, James, and John. He was like the man. He was the one when the Lord said, who do you say that I am? He's the one that spoke up. 
He's the one when 60 other disciples leave and Jesus said, are y'all going too? Peter said, where else are we going to go? We're staying here. Peter's the one that said, look, if they all deny you, I won't. And so he had boasted in his love for Christ. And now it's almost to the point where, look, God, I really, really, with all my heart, thought I could serve you like this, but I failed. And I can't say that I love you anymore. But you know my heart. At the beginning of the chapter, he said, Lord, he tells the other disciples, I'm going fishing. It doesn't mean like, hey, I'm going to go see if I can catch a catfish. Let's just go out and have some fun. It wasn't that. It was, look, I've tried to be his disciple. I genuinely tried. I, have, I thought I was doing good, and I failed, and God, I'm done, and I'm going back. And the other disciples, he's the leader. Yeah, we're going too. And I think for a lot of times for us, it might be fear where I'm just terrified. I don't, God, I can't do that. It's too much. For some of us, it might be, look, um, I've tried to serve the Lord and I failed and I don't think he can use me anymore. I, I think it's so wonderful because after every time, Peter still doesn't say, look, God, I love you with all my heart. He knows that his love's not perfect. But the Lord says this, feed my sheep every time. In 1 Peter, I mean, y'all don't even have to turn there. I'm going to just read it really quick. As Peter's closing out the letter in 1 Peter, he says this. The elders which are among you I exhort, whom also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. In verse 2 he says this, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, he shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. I think it's so awesome because Peter failed God so miserably. The greatest night of all of history, this man of God could not even stand up for him to a little servant girl. He failed. It was terrible. He was done. And then the Lord said, I'm not done with you. He said, I want to use you to feed my sheep. He said it three times. First Peter, not only is Peter feeding God's sheep, he's writing the letter, he's preaching to the church. Not only is he doing it, but now he's teaching others what to do. He's telling them, hey, feed the flock of God. And then he tells them how to do it. Guess what? He had learned how to do it. Okay, a lot of the times we do, we fail. We fall right on our face and we let God down. And the devil says, look, you're never going to be used by God again. God says, look, I'm the one that holds you up. You didn't let me down. Okay, I'm the one that holds you up and I want to use you. I can get that right in your life and I want to use you. And I feel like what the Lord wants to, to say to this body is He wants to give us a genuine love for this body. And He wants us to be here not just to sit back and to just prop up our feet and just get, but to serve His body. And I was just thinking about this in, in the letters of Revelation. Um, whenever the, the Lord's writing to the seven churches and He's writing to Laodicea and Ephesus and all these different churches... And for each one, he, he kind of tells them what they're doing good and what they're doing wrong. And I was just thinking, like, as I was praying, God, if, you, if God came and He came among this church, what would be His diagnosis? What, what would He kind of say to this church? What would be the, hey, y'all are doing really good right here, but this is what I want you to do. And I want us to think about that in terms of our church, but for our own lives as well. God, what am I keeping back from our church that, I could, that, that you want to do through me? And just as I'm, I'm kind of wrapping up right here, it's, it's not very long, but um, just as I was thinking about this and thinking about the first letter that the Lord writes to the churches, he talks, I think it's Ephesus, and he's, he says, you've left your first love. You've done a lot of really good things. 
but you've left your first love. I just pray for this body. And again, this might not be for you. This might be for me. I pray for this body that we don't get to a place where we come and we're okay just being complacent and just doing church. I pray we don't get complacent where, okay, um, the people at work know I'm a Christian, so that's enough. Okay, well, how many of them are going to be in heaven because God used you to get bold and to speak up? How many people in this church are here and they look just like they do every single Sunday, but they really need God and God wants to use you, but we can't get our eyes off ourselves or we're too scared to say something. And so they miss what God wants to give. It's a body. We need each other. God is God's called us and he wants to use us. And I just pray kind of as I, like I said, I'm, as I'm wrapping up. I pray that it's not for us now, okay, once we got saved, we loved God, but now God's writing to us like he did at Ephesus, and now it's just phileo. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, I did love you with all my heart. It was agape. Now it's, I like you. Like, I do. I'm, I like you, but I'm, I kind of want to do my thing. I pray for us that it, it is with all of our heart, and I know, like Peter, we really, like, I can't boast in my love for God. Like, I can't. Because I know what I've done. I know how bad I failed him. I know how every time I think I'm doing really great, the Lord kind of just, it only takes a little. He just lets you see where you are. You know? And I just pray for us, if the Lord was to come write the letter, I pray it wouldn't be, y'all are here three times a week, and you're looking good, but the love's not there. The passion for me is not there. I pray that passion that was once in my heart, I need it back more. I've had it more than I do now, just being real. Like God wants to, he wants to work in our heart. He wants to work in our church. But here's the deal. A lot of times we hear that and we leave challenged, but we don't leave changed. We leave to where we say, God, that was good. I know you're speaking to me. I know I should listen. But for some of us, we've been leaving challenged on the exact same point for years. And God says, look, when? When's it going to change? Okay, so I'm going to just kind of pray. And if you want to come play just a little bit. Again, for some of y'all, it might be like, look, I feel like I'm really doing good. Just let, let God speak to your life. Maybe he wants to kind of encourage you. Maybe he wants to kind of point a finger at something in your life. Um, but I, I know God wants to do something big in our church. I really believe that. But again, it's, it's got to be him, but we have to follow him. It can't be just something that we do whenever we come in here. Because we look the part, guys. A lot of, just if we're being simple, if we're, if, we're looking, if we're being real, like compared to a lot of churches across our state, we're doing really good. Like we really are. Like we're not listening to a bunch of crazy music and doing all this awful stuff and preaching false doctrine. Like compared to them, we're doing really good, but that's not our comparison. Christ is our comparison. So if we take Him and we put Him right in front of our face, like, what, what is he going to point out and say, hey, that's, I'm, I'm, you're, really, you're really following me right there, but over here you're not. So I just want to pray that the Lord just really have his way in us as individuals and in us as a church. So Lord, we just, we love you, God. And God, we just thank you for who you are. God, it was you who saved us, Lord. It says in Ephesians, God, we're not saved by what we've done, not by works, so that no one can boast. But by your grace, we've been saved through faith. But then he said, we were saved forward. We're saved to go out and to do what you've called us to do. God, I pray that you would help us in this body genuinely to come and to love one another as you have loved us, God. 
God, you adopted us into, into your family. You found us out in a ditch, like you say in Ezekiel, just covered in our own blood and filth, and nobody wanted us. You picked us up and cleansed us off, and you brought us into the family. And it's not just for us to sit in the corner of the house and just give what we want, but it's for us, God, to live for the glory of the one who came to rescue us. And for us to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I pray that my own life, my personal life, Monday through Saturday, would not be a hindrance to this body, but would build up this body. And I pray that for everyone in this room. God, and whatever you're trying to speak to us, I pray that we would leave changed and not just challenged.